We hope you enjoy this message recorded at Equipus Church Dunedin. For more information, please visit equipuschurch.com. Lord, that that is the prayer of our hearts, Lord, that every beat would be yours, God. Every beat in 2020 would be yours, Lord, that we would follow your leading. Thank you, Lord, that you've called us all. Thank you for your great promises for all of us, God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Hey, we'll take a seat. Um, as Jason said, my name's Tammy. Um, Jason and I, we're, we're part of the church here. We're part of the team here. Um, it's a great privilege to be up here and speaking with you for the first Sunday of 2020. Yes, the first Sunday of 2020, the first Sunday of the decade. It's very exciting. What a privilege. I'm just going to... There we go. So... I thought it's a good opportunity to reflect on what happened in the 2010s, right? Yeah, new decade and all of that. So I did some research and I found out some interesting things that that happened in the 2010s. So first thing is in 2010, the first iPad came out. The first iPad. I actually bought one of the first iPads. Yes, and it's still working. Yeah, it still works. It's really slow, but it still works. And I can't really have anything on it, but it just, it still works. I can like look up the internet or, or, or read my emails or anything like that. So that's, that's pretty good. Also what happened in the 2010s is we had some royal weddings. We did, for the royalists out there, um, we had Prince William of Wales and Kate Middleton in 2011. And then a few years later, we had Prince Harry of Sussex and Meghan Markle. In 2018, and then they've had um, so so. Will's and Kate have had three kids, and um, more recently, um, Harry and Megan have had one kid. Now, audience participation required here. Can I? Ha- Does anyone know the names of their children? Georgia. Well done. Give Georgia a hand there. That is very well done. You get the royal star for that there. Um, so, so we've had some weddings and we've had some um, royal babies, which is very exciting. We also had a lot of crazes happen in the 2010s, like a lot of like kind of random, crazy kind of things. So we had the planking craze. <laughs> Does anyone remember that? Did anyone do the planking craze? <laughs> of course you did. Where you lie face down in some weird location and take a photo of it. Like, great. Um, We had the ice bucket challenge. Did anyone do that? Did anyone do that to someone else? You naughty, naughty. I'm taking the royal star off you. Um, We had Pokemon Go. (laughs) Which is the weirdest thing ever. Like people were like walking, wandering the neighbourhoods like this. Like this. Like this. And people still do it, do they? Yeah, who still does it? There we go. We've got the Pokemon Go stars over there. <laughs> That's crazy. We also, um, in 2017, there was um, this invention of the fidget spinner. You know, the little, like, very calming. Woo. Spin it, you know, see what it can spin on. Um, so also, so there were some crazy things there. Also, something really weird happened in 2014. There was this Malaysian Airlines Flight 370, and it disappeared disappeared. Somewhere between Kuala Lumpur and Beijing. There's lots of, there's lots of conspiracies about it, but you know, that's what happened in the 2010s. Um, we also, okay, so a little bit closer to home here, um, in between like 2013 and 2014, does anyone remember this thing called Gigatown? <laughs> this thing called Gigatown. And um, Dunedin, we were part of the five city finalists. They were, and give a shout out if you're from here, so um, Gisborne, Nobody. Nelson? Nobody. Timaru? Nobody. Wanaka? Oh, a little, a little whimper there. Um, and Dunedin! Yeah! And, um, and we took it out and it, it's totally transformed Dunedin, do we think? Um, I don't know. That was the promise, but um, I'll let you be the judge. Um, and, uh, and also, like, halfway through um, the 2010s, 
Pastor Will and Pastor Desiree, they took over the leadership of this church. It became an equippers church. And uh, last year, in the last year of the 2010s, 2019, we launched Mosgiel as an equippers location. It's very exciting. Very, very exciting. So there's been a lot that's happened in the last decade, hasn't there? There's been a lot that's happened in the world, a lot that's happened in, in Dunedin, a lot that's happened in church, a lot that has happened in your world. And, um, you know, some of that will have been good and some of it will have been bad. But we're all different for it, right? And then, and then we get the opportunity um, and, yeah, we get the opportunity to look forward 10 years, you know. What will the world be like in 2030? What will uh, Dunedin look like? What will the church look like? What will your life look like? You'll be 10 years older. <laughs> Add 10 years. <laughs> we we bit scary. Okay, okay, and this one might be even scarier. If you have kids, they will be 10 years older. You might have teenagers. We will have teenagers. You might have um, university students. Um, your, your kids might even have kids. Whoa, crazy. Not my kids. My kids are not having kids in 10 years. Um, <laughs> you know, who will you be doing life with? What will you be doing? Um, will you have cr- come up with the latest fidget spinner of the 2020s? You know, like the entrepreneurial stuff. Will you have come up with some crazy craze that gets everyone doing something silly and putting it on social media? You know, like what's going to be happening then? You know, will you be married? Will your kids be married? You know, all these things. And um, so it's interesting to think about the next 10 years and it's a good opportunity as um, we're fully not into the, the life at the moment, like we're a bit on holiday um, and all that. It's just to take some time and reflect and think, what will my life look like in 10 years? And often around New Year's time, we, we get this question is like, what's your New Year's resolution going to be? What's your New Year's re- resolution going to be? Are you going to lose weight? Are you going to go to the gym? Are you going to read more? Are you going to save more money? (laughs) Are you going to do these things? And we all say, yes, 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 yes. (laughs) And and I I think it's good. It's good to have um, New Year's resolutions. And I want to extend it a little bit um, beyond just a resolution. And I want to ask you, what's your conviction for the next decade? What's your conviction for this year? What's, What's in your heart for what could happen in your life, in your world, this year and in the decade? What could happen in your family? What could happen in your career or your business, in your ministry, with your friendships, marriages? Like what could happen in the next 10 years? What's in your heart and what's your conviction for what could happen? Because what's in your heart and what your conviction for the future is will determine the promises you live in. I want to start this message um, in Joshua. And uh, I'm going to pick up in Joshua 14 verses 7 to 9. And it's, this is Caleb speaking, and he had a conviction for his future, and it determined the promises that he lived in. And this is what he says. This is when they've just been divvying up the land, the promised land. And um, from verse 7, it says, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So he brought Moses back a report according to his convictions. The New King James Version says that he brought back word to Moses as it was in my heart. As it was in his heart, according to his convictions, he brought back a report. And the others had melted hearts. Like I love the imagery of the Bible here, like melted hearts. Their hearts were melting in fear. Whereas Caleb um, had a whole heart and he served the Lord wholeheartedly. And what was in his heart and what was in the others' hearts determined the promises that they lived in. Caleb was wholehearted in faith and, and lived in the promised land. He got the promised land of Hebron. 
the others had melted hearts and they died in the wilderness. So the title of my message this morning is Report of the Heart. And the big question I have for you is what is in your heart for your life, for your world, for your family, for your workplace, for your city, for your church? What is in your heart? Because we can choose to have a melted heart in 2020, a heart that's fearful, a heart that's timid, it's anxious, it's pessimistic, it's feeling defeated. Or we can have a whole heart where we're full of faith, we're full of confidence of the promises of God, we're bold, we're courageous, we're positive and we're hopeful for everything that 2020 might bring. Um, Report of the heart, right? So an ECG, has anyone had an ECG before? A lot of you, a lot of you. Wow. Anyway, so for those of you who haven't had an ECG, what happens is they put these little monitors on you and these cords and everything, and it goes to a machine, and then the machine prints out this, this, a lot of paper, and it has all these like wiggles on it, all of these wiggles. And what the wiggles are showing, or the lines are showing, is that they're showing what is the rhythm of your heart. What's the rhythm of your heart? What's the regularity of your beat, of, of your heartbeat? Uh, is it beating in sync? Um, and, and that's what it shows. It's a report of the heart, right? And so I wonder if we could do a report of our spiritual heart. If we did an ECG of our heart, our spiritual heart, what would the report of the heart show? Would it show that we are steadfast and confident in God? That our hope is in Him, that we regularly go to Him, that, um, that His promises are what we stand for? Or would it show that um, some wiggles kind of jumping all over the show and it just sort of depends on the circumstance, it depends what's happened in your world, what, what the external circumstances have been is, is determining the ECG of your spiritual heart. I don't know, I don't know, I've definitely been in both, both sides, I've definitely had a melted heart where my ECG would be like all over the show, off the page probably, and, um, and then, and then I, I live now um, in the hope that my ECG shows a constant beat. That my, that my heart is in sync with the Holy Spirit, that I am holding courageously and boldly to, to Him and to His promises for me. And because uh, the report of your heart and your conviction determines the promises you live in. I thought, let's, let's go back. So we've heard the report in Joshua 14 um, where Caleb goes and says, I gave a report according to my convictions. Well, let's go back to... Numbers 13, where it all happened. Is this okay? So it's going to be a long piece of scripture here, but scripture is so good. So um, if you don't listen to anything, listen to this. Okay? So it's in Numbers 13. I'm going to read it from the New International Version. And I'm picking up from verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So at the Lord's command, Moses sent them out from the desert of Paran. All of them were leaders of the Israelites. So I want you to take note, all of them were leaders of the Israelites. So there's 12 of them, and there's, they're all named there. And two of them are Joshua and Caleb. And then I'll pick up from verse 17. And, and it says, When Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, Go up through the Negev and onto the hill country. See what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or is it bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees in it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. So here, here Moses is sending them out. He's going, go to this land. See what it's like. See if it's fortified. See if it's unwalled. See if it's fertile. See if there's good fruit there. See what's out there. And so from 21. So they went up and explored the land from the desert of Sin, Zin, <laughs> as far as Rehob toward this other place. They went up through the Negev and came to Hebron. Blah, 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 blah. Verse 23. When they reached the valley of Eshkol, they cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes with some pomegranates and figs. 
That place was called the Valley of Eshko because of the cluster of grapes the Israelites cut off there. At the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. So they go out, they've scouted this land for 40 days. That's a long time to go to this place. And so this is the report on the exploration, verse 26. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. When we went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. So they're saying it's good land, flows with milk and honey, there's blessing there. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. So there's lots of people there, they all live there, um, it's populated, right? Verse 30, then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. They, they said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there of a great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we looked the same to them. Interesting, isn't it? So, so they go out to this land and they come back with report. And so Caleb comes back and he says, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. The others say, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. So the report of their hearts very different between those two. And there's three critical questions from this passage of Scripture, and I, I wonder if you could reflect on them for your own world and your own, own life, is um, in the 2020s, um, what's the possibility in your life in the next decade? If you were to go out, scout the land for 40 days and think, what is the possibility of my life, of my world, of my relationships, of, of my workplace, all of that. What is the possibility in the next decade? What are the promises and the fruit that could be, that you've seen, that you've dreamed about? And what does 2020 look like for you, for your family, for career, studies, finances, whatever it is? What does it look like? First off, what is the possibility? Secondly, what's the obstacles in the way that you are facing? What's the giants, the challenges that are standing between you and the possibilities. And the third question is, then what is the report of your heart about that? Do you face tomorrow, do you face the next decade with conviction of what God could do? Or is your heart melting in fear because of the challenges that are standing in your way? And my prayer is that, that you, would, you would have a a report of the heart that would be steadfast and confident in who your God is. Because your God is a big God. Your God is able. Your God is capable. Your God has great promises for you. And um, there is obstacles out there. But there is nothing that my God cannot do. And so I want to talk about wholehearted people because uh, Caleb and Joshua, they were wholehearted people. They served God wholeheartedly. And what 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 are the aspects of wholehearted people? Um, and then I'm going to talk about three areas of how we can build wholeheartedness in our life and how we continue to maintain it. It's not something that we do one day and then we're done. It's like, you know, you go to the gym and you do a really hard workout and you're like, woo, and then you never go again for another year. Like, <laughs> like it's not building anything, right? So, so we want to be disciplined and we want to build this into our lives every day. So... First off, about wholehearted people, is they have a perspective of God. They have the perspective of God. They have faith and they have belief in the impossible. So Caleb and Joshua, they, they went out there with the other 10. They were all leaders. Remember, they were all leaders from, from um, the Israelites. And they saw the fruit in the land. They all saw the grapefruit. There was a branch that held one cluster of grapes and took two men to carry it. Like, that's some pretty big fruit, and there's some great blessings there, the milk and honey. And they also saw the people who lived there. But Joshua and Caleb had a different perspective. 
they had faith in their God and what he could do. Who's heard the, this common expression which says, is the glass half full or is the glass half empty? Why don't you turn to your neighbour and you ask, is the glass half full or half empty? Okay, who, who were the half full people? Who were the half empty people? So this is commonly like, like reflects your perspective as sometimes they say it's whether you're more of a pessimist or an optimist, right? But I'm more of a realist and I, I think it actually depends on the context. It depends on the context. It depends, were you filling? Were you filling the glass? then it's half full. Or were you emptying the glass? Then it's half empty. So next time someone asks you that question, you say, well, I, I don't know, you have to give me more context, right? <laughs> you have to give me more context. <laughs> if you don't write anything else down, that is a great, great tip in life, how to answer that question. Um, but you know, the context is important. And the context when you're walking with God is that He's more than able. That He is with you. That the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. That no weapon formed against you shall prosper. That all things God works for the good for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. That is the context. That is the context for your world. And that's the context that we can have a perspective of faith and belief in the impossible because we walk with God. What I also like um, about this perspective thing is that Caleb and Joshua, they didn't deny the existence of the problem. They didn't deny that there was an army of strong men. It wasn't, it, it wasn't like, oh, no, there weren't. No, there weren't. There weren't strong men. What are you, what are you talking about? But they, they denied the power of the problem to limit the promise. You know, they said, surely we can go up. Surely we can go up and take them. Yes, there's some strong men, but surely we can go up and take them. You know, what's the problem in your world? What's the barrier? What's the giant standing in your way between the possibility and here? You know, don't deny its existence and pretend it's not there. Don't deny you've got no money. Don't deny that you don't have a boyfriend. Don't deny. <laughs> don't deny these things, right? <laughs> That's the reality. Like, let's be realists about it. Like, it's okay. This is the reality. But, but there's the big but of God, right? That God is there. And so we don't deny it. But we deny it's the power of the problem to limit the promises in our world. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. That's Psalm 23. It's a psalm that is like the battle cry of my heart. It's a psalm that, that David wrote in the deepest, darkest valley when people were after him, chasing him down. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Your enemies are still there. The barriers, the challenges, they are still there. But there's a table for you. And God is setting the table before you. And he goes, in the presence of my enemies, I will eat. I will celebrate. I will live. We don't deny the problems. We deny the power of the problems. David and Goliath. It's another example. You know, David, he saw this great big Philistine warrior and um, he'd been taunting, taunting the, the Lord's army for 40 days. He, he recognised that there was a giant problem. He didn't deny the fact that there was a giant, but he just looked at it from a different perspective. And he said, well, I, f I defeat the giant with the, with, the, with the God of the armies of Israel with, behind me. You know? Like he was like, there's a giant, but I know who my God is. I have a perspective of who my God is. 
You know, what's, what's the declaration of your heart when, when there are these battles, the struggles, the giants in the way? Could you shift your perspective in 2020? Could you view the pain and the struggle and the hard times differently? Let's not be defeated and afraid of them, but be confident and full of peace and hope and faith because of who we walk with. People with wholeheartedness have a different perspective. They have a belief in God that he can do the impossible. The second thing around wholehearted people is that often, not always, but often they will hold the unpopular view. They'll hold the uncommon view. So Caleb and Joshua, there were two of them, and then there were 10 others, and they all went out to the land together. But two came back with a different report, and they were the minority view, the uncommon view, the unpopular view. And Joshua and Caleb, they had the boldness and the courage to stand on their conviction, even when they were the minority. Could we, could we have the boldness and the courage to stand for the uncommon or unpopular view in our world? Some of the stuff we believe is, is unpopular. Some of it's uncommon. No one actually denies that, um, that, that murdering is, is a good thing. You know, like some, some, some stuff, like from the Ten Commandments, people go, yeah, good idea, don't kill people. But some other stuff, some other stuff in the Bible and the values and, and the things that we believe are not as commonly held in our, in our culture, in our community. And things like don't have sex until you're married. Things like tithe, give 10% to God. Give more than 10% to God. Give love offerings over and above that. Serve other people. Humble yourself and prefer others even when they don't deserve it, but because they're worth it. Some of this is very uncommon to the world. And could you hold the uncommon view to praise and worship God for his glory? It's an uncommon view in our culture to choose to exalt the Lord at all times. You know, we sang that song, um, I will exalt the Lord at all times. And it's actually based on Psalm 34. And it's another Psalm where David writes, um, and he's being chased down um, by people. He's been chased down by King Saul. He's fleeing him. He hasn't done anything wrong. Um, he's falsely accused. He's just, you know, people are on, on the attack. And he writes the Psalm and he declares that he will exalt God that God is his deliverer, his protector. He says, taste and see that he's a good God. This is someone who is like, like had to run away because people are chasing him. But he held an uncommon view that he will exalt the Lord at all times. In the good and the bad, in the chaos and the calm, I will exalt the Lord. Wholehearted people stand for the uncommon view, the unpopular view. They have the boldness and the courage to stand for truth. The third aspect of a, of a wholehearted person is that they have the persistence and pers- perseverance to believe. Caleb, so Joshua 14, where we read, we started, was 45 years after Caleb and Joshua and all the other leaders had gone to scout out the land. 45 years he had to wait. 40 years in wilderness and five years as he was fighting different battles as they took on different um, cities and territories of the promised land. When you serve God with a whole heart, you'll have the perseverance and persistence to keep going. Galatians 6, 9. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. You know, some of us... (laughs) myself included, will give up after a week of praying. You'll be like, oh, this must not be God's thing. We'll give up after like a half day of fasting. <laughs> be like, oh, you know, I missed, I missed breakfast and lunch. I might have a, have a big afternoon snack. Um, 
you know, like, like it's not in our nature to persevere or to persist with these things. But as, as we build our wholeheartedness, as we build our confidence and our faith and our trust in God, we will build perseverance and persistence in our world. You know, we, we recognise that we serve a God that sits outside of time. His ways aren't our ways. You know, his timing is not my timing, um, which is a good thing because he's much wiser than me. <laughs> Ecclesiastes 3.1, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. People with whole hearts, they trust in God. They recognise seasons and times. You know, is it time to plant, to uproot, to heal, to tear down, to build up, to laugh, to cry, to go to battle, to go to peace? This, people with wholeheartedness, they recognise that, that God's timing is perfect, that everything will be beautiful in his time and that we have the confidence that whatever God said, it will happen. Hebrews 10, 23 from the Passion Translation says this, so now we must cling tightly to the hope that lives within us, knowing that God always keeps his promises. God keeps his promises. What's the promises that he's, he's given you? What's the dreams that he's given you? Cling to it. Cling tightly to the hope because God always keeps his promises. He will keep his promise. So what's your heart holding to in the waiting? In the gap between now and the dream and the promise. Hold on to the conviction of your heart the hope that God will keep his promises, that he makes everything beautiful in its time. Trust in God and hold on to your belief. So it's a good thing to have a whole heart, right? If your report of your heart would be, yes, God, whoo, yes. You know, I've got a different perspective. I've got perseverance and persistence and I stand for the uncommon unpopular view. And you know, probably if we're all honest, we're probably not there yet, right? We probably wouldn't say, Tammy, yep, my report of the heart is so good. <laughs> I hold firmly to the perspective of God at all times. I'm persistent and I persevere through it all and I, and I am bold and courageous in, in voicing it. Truth is, we, none of us are there yet. So I thought I'm going to give you three ways in which we can build wholeheartedness in our worlds. Maybe one of these three could be your New Year's resolution. How about that? Okay. All right. So the first thing is we remember what he's done before. Joshua and Caleb had seen what God had done with the Red Sea that, you know, he defeated the enemies. They'd witnessed seven plagues and so had the other 10. So all the leaders of the land, they had witnessed what God had done, taking them out of Egypt. Um, they'd, they'd seen it all. The difference is that Joshua and Caleb believed that if God had done it before, he could do it again. He could defeat the enemies again because he'd done it before. And so... We need to remember what he's done before. We need to read the Bible. Because this is, this is what he's done before. Before you were born, this is, this is what was happening. You know, like our lives are a short time. God has been around like a long time. Like he's outside of time, but like, <laughs> you know, if we were measuring it like that. Um, and so we need, to, we need to read the Bible to see what he's done before. What is his character what are his promises? You know, a couple of years ago, my, my New Year's resolution was to read this Bible um, from cover to cover. And truth is, it, I didn't do it in a year. <laughs> I did it in 18 months, right? Which is good. It's good. I did it. And, and I think that's the thing. You've just got to start it. You know, you've got to start it. There's lots of tools out there you can read. Um, read the chronological version, which is what I read, which is um, where they, they chunk out pieces of the Bible and they, they smash together like the Psalms and the Proverbs from when they think um, it happened in, in between all the Old Testament stories and everything. Like, it's really cool. Um, so that's one way you can do it. You can do it on an app. You can do it um, just by picking it up and reading it. You know, like it's... It's, it looks really small like that, eh? <laughs> like that's really deceiving. 
there's a, anyway. Um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I did it, and I, I think it's important. It's important to read the Bible. It strengthens our conviction, and it builds our faith. So we remember what God's done before by reading the Bible, but we can also remember what God has done by, before by sharing our testimonies with one another, by sharing our revelations with one another, by sharing what has God done in my world, what has God done in your world, um, and it's going to build our faith. Uh, Deuteronomy 11, 18 to 21. This is uh, Moses, and he's saying, Fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And this is, this is um, they've read all the, all the laws to the Israelites, and they said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And then this happens, and it says, fix, your, fix these words of mine. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children. And uh, in, the, in the wilderness, so this is just that they've gone through the wilderness, 40 years of wilderness, and they had daily reminders of who God was that they could remember who God was. Like they had manna falling from the sky to feed them. They had a cloud of smoke in the day and a pillar of fire every night. So there were really strong visual, like that, that's God. I remember God. He protects me. He looks after me. He feeds me. He provides for me. Um, but when they were to go into the promised land, those daily reminders weren't going to be there anymore. And so this is, this is one of the reasons why it was said, you need to teach them to your children. And in the promised land, they had to be more conscious and more deliberate about transferring their faith with these reminders, right? And it's really practical here, like super, super practical about what we can do about um, teaching stuff to each other, teaching stuff to our children. It's these four things. He says, talk, talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Like these are just times during your everyday life where we can remember what has God done in my world? What has God done in my world today? What has been the victories today? And uh, it's something that we try as a family to, to introduce these into our everyday life so we can have an everyday faith with our children. And uh, one thing is, you know, um, when you're sitting at home, one of the best ways or best times when sitting at home is not when everyone's on their iPads and um, iPhones like, like that. No, one of the best times or best opportunities when you're sitting at home is when you're eating because everyone eats. And so we sit at the table and we say, you know, what's been your favorite thing of the day? What's been your sad thing of the day? And we go around the table and we have to share these things. And now the kids love it. It's like their favorite thing to do. And they, they bombard us with these questions. And I have to kind of go, oh, what was my favorite thing of the day? What was my sad thing of the day? What was my angry thing of the day? <sighs> All these things. But um, the opportunities to just remember. Talk about them with your family. Talk about them with your flatmates. Talk about them with your partner. What has God been doing? When you're walking along the road, this is an interesting one. Um, so I think in modern day society, that's probably more like when you're traveling to and from school, when you're traveling to and from work, probably in your car, unless you're one of the two people who use the cycleways. <laughs> but even then, you can talk to your cycling buddy. There's enough space for two to, to cycle. Um, naughty, eh? Okay, um, but... You know, when you're traveling places, it's a great opportunity. You know, like um, just with the holidays, Jason and I um, and our family, we've been traveling up to Twizel. And it's a great opportunity when you're in the car, when you're traveling a little bit of a longer distance to say, hey, how, how has your year been? What are you thinking about for next year? What has been your latest revelation? You know, all these things, um, as, we, as we reflect and we remember these things together, our faith is built stronger. And the other ones, when you're lying down, you know, pray before you go to bed. It's what we do as a family. Um, <laughs> we do this funny thing. It's called blue shoe. Does anyone know what blue shoe is? I'm going to teach you something here. So what we do is we put in our, put in our feet, the four of us, before we go to bed um, on the floor. And so we'll go, blue shoe, blue shoe, who's in, not you. 
And then that determines the order of who prays first and in what order we pray. So that's now what I think of when I think of praying before bed. I think of blue shoe. And now you can too. Okay? Um, <laughs> you can throw that one out. That one's not worth keeping. Okay? Um, and the last one, when, when you're getting up, when you get up in the morning, thank God for a new day. Thank God for what's ahead. Thank God for his covering on you. You know, share and remember what God has done before. Share the victories and when he was walking with you. When you walked through the valley of the shadow of death, you know, share how that felt, but share the victory that came through it. Because it builds our strong heart and it builds our convictions. Reading the Bible, it will build your faith and your confidence in who God is. Secondly, we've got to get into God's presence. Joshua had witnessed some of the incredible Moses and God encounters. To build conviction and wholeheartedness, we need to spend time in God's presence, where we can experience His peace, His power, and His heart. 1 Samuel 30, verse 6. This again, David's people are chasing him down. Um, It's an army of men this time. It's a bit different. Um, But it says here, David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord his God. David went to God's presence when his heart was melting when he was in distress, when people were after him, when the, when the hard times came, David went to God and he found strength in God. He found strength in the one that wouldn't let him down. He found encouragement. He found protection. He found God. You know, in God's presence, my heart has been healed. When I felt I've got a melting heart, when I don't understand, I go to God's presence. I worship him. I find that new perspective. I find the courage to keep going. I've found wholeness in him. I've found such great peace in him and the confidence and boldness in who he is. When we seek God's presence, we build our hearts. Our hearts are strengthened in his presence as we wait upon him and rest in him. So we build our conviction and our wholeheartedness through remembering what he's done before, through being in his presence, and thirdly, by being in community. Even though there was only Joshua and Caleb, there was only two, I'm pretty sure that because there was two, that they each found it easier to hold on to their faith, to hold on to their confidence, to report, but surely my God can do this even though there was only two. In community, it will help us build our faith. It will help us stand strong and steadfast in the confidence of who our God is. Proverbs 27, verse 17. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Friends sharpen our vision. Friends sharpen our conviction. Ecclesiastes 4, verse 9 to 10. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labour. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Friends help you if you fall. Friends help you. Two are better than one. Community will help build your heart. You know, don't be isolated. Be in church. Good on you for being in church for the first Sunday of the, of the year. Good on you. Great Great choice. You know, keep, keep doing this. This will build your faith. It will build your confidence. It will build a wholeheartedness within you um, as you join with fellow believers who can encourage you. You know, get into an e-group. Be an e-group leader. <laughs> you can do it. Like we need, we need 80 e-group leaders. That's the call this year, 80 e-group leaders. I think there's slightly more than 80 people here, but we will take Every one of you. Let's go above 80, right? <laughs> you know, be an e-group leader. Do life together. If you can, get to T2. 
get to T2. Like it's not just like a, like a, like a fun thing to do. It's actually a really, really spiritual thing to do. It will set you up for 2020s. It will set you up as you come together with others who have faith. We'll build faith together. We'll, we'll cry together. We'll laugh together. We'll have fun together. Um, but we're going to build a steadfastness and a confidence and an assurance in who our God is and all the possibilities that we could have with our God. One of our heartbeats in Equippers, so one of our core values is together. Pastor Sam Monk, who's the national leader of Equippers, he says this, he says, church is a whole lot of friends challenging one another to go higher in God. It's really that simple. We're just friends getting together, encouraging one another, saying, hey, you can keep going. I can pray with you. I can I declare God's promises over you. You know, when you're weak, I can be strong for you. There's so many occasions where the faith of someone else has really helped me hold to my convictions, hold strong to my faith and my convictions because they're strong. And that's what we do together as a community of people. Joshua and Caleb, they had each other and we need each other to build our hearts. We need a community of faith surrounding us, encouraging us, building our wholeheartedness as we journey life together. Look, as I wrap up and as the team can come up, you know, I started off uh, this message asking, you know, reflect on the past and then reflect on the future. What has God got for you for the 2020s in your, in your life, in your workplace, in your family, in your marriage, in your friendships, in your finances? You know, I don't know if the last decade was full of great blessings, great victories. I don't know if the last decade or even today is, is full of pain and hardship and bad reports and challenges. But the thing is, every day is a new day in God. There's a fresh start here. You know, like this is a kind of like artificial fresh start with a new year, and I think it's great. But every day there's a fresh start with God. Every, every day His mercies are new for you. There's fresh hope, there's fresh promises for you. For today, for tomorrow, for 2020, for your life. And I'm, I'm not sure what the report is for your heart for 2020 and beyond. I'm not sure if you came in here with a melted heart, where you came in and you're worried and you're fearful and you're overwhelmed with the challenges that life is bringing you. I'm not sure if you came in here full of faith, with a whole heart, full of optimism for the future, full of the great promises that God has for you. But wherever you are, can I encourage you to build wholeheartedness in your life? Could you shift your perspective? Could you view pain, struggle, hard times with confidence, full of peace, hope and faith in what God can do in and through you? That He truly is greater than anything. That no weapon formed against you will prosper that He works everything for good for those who love the Lord. Can I encourage you to stand for the unpopular or uncommon view in your world and have the boldness and the courage to stand for truth, to uphold faith, hope and love in your world, in your workplace, in your family, in your community? And could you persevere and hold on to the conviction in your heart? Even if it takes 40 years of wilderness and five years of fighting, could you hold on? Could you maintain the hope that God will give fruit to His promises? There will be blessing. 
whatever He said will come to pass, that He makes everything beautiful in His time. Let's, let's make a New Year's resolution today. Let's make a New Year's resolution that we're gonna remember what God has done for us every day, whether that's reading the Bible or, or talking to your family and friends. Let's seek His presence every day. Let's worship Him. Let's find Him in the quiet space. Let's find Him in the chaos. He's there too. And let's gather together in community. In church, and e-groups, wherever you do life with other people and let's build wholeheartedness together. Could you stand with me for a moment? I'm gonna pray for everyone. You know, what's, what's the report of your heart for 2020? Because what's in your heart will determine the promises you live in. I'm gonna pray for us all if that's okay. Dear God, I thank You. I thank You for the 2010s and the years before that. I thank You for everything You've done for us, God. I thank You for every individual and every family represented here right now, God. I thank You that You've walked with them in life. Lord, that You've brought them to this place, God. Lord, I thank You that there are great promises, great promises for every one of us, God. And Lord, would You help us build our wholehearted faith. Lord, that the report of our heart would be great confidence, great boldness, great faith in who You are. That Your promises are good. Right now, Lord, wherever there's hurt, wherever there's been pain, Lord God, Lord, could we see it from a different perspective? Could we see it from Your perspective, God? Lord, that You redeem all. Lord, You build whole hearts, God. And Lord, may we go into 2020 remembering what You've done for us. May we go into 2020 seeking Your presence, seeking Your heart. May we go into 2020 with one another in community, God. Thank You, Jesus. Thank You, Lord. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message recorded at Equippers Church, Dunedin. We pray it blessed you. For more information, please visit equipperschurch.com.